called the fake news the enemy of the people, and they are. It's a serious question. I, I appreciate your passion. I share it. I've addressed this question. I've addressed my personal feelings. And I want you all to know that we are fighting the fake news. You're listening to Just Ask the Question, Adventures in Reporting with your host, Brian Karam. So welcome back to Just Ask the Question. I am your host, Brian Karam. Today it is a treat to have my mentor on this show, and I'll, in, I'll introduce him, but again, doesn't need an introduction. Sam Donaldson, who for years covered the White House for ABC, and... Um, I think, Sam, the last time we sat down and did an interview, you were interviewing me, actually. But So it's a real joy to sit down for this. So I'll just ask the question, what's wrong with the White House today? From Donald J. Trump. Donald J. Trump is what's wrong with the White House. I mean, leadership and uh, in the presidential administration, it begins at the top. The right. president sets the tone. People that work for him and those of who watch him know what to expect. Uh, if a president wants uh, his people to be honest, wants them to be industrious, wants them to serve in their administration the way they're supposed to, they'll work to do that or else they'll be out. But if they see the president wants to lie about everything, the president <laughs> wants to make a fool of himself in the sense that he doesn't conduct himself as a president of the United States does in our history, well, not, they can do that too. It's, for me first time I walked into that briefing room was in 86 I think it was and the first person I met was Helen and of course I always say the reason why I called this podcast just ask the question is because Helen gave me that advice but it was a different White House I mean I have never covered anything like this how, how do you see it as I mean you were there going back I mean I remember watching you when when Nixon was in office it's got to be I mean, you tell me how different it is. Well, I came to Washington two weeks after John Kennedy was inaugurated. I was on the fringe of the crowd, believe me. No one paid any attention to me, and for good reason. I was lucky they didn't do it. I wasn't a White House correspondent, but I would be able to go down there on occasion. I went to three of his news conferences, sat in the back of the room. It was at the State Department where he had held his news conferences. I never had the courage to try to ask a question, but I watched the big boys and girls, and there were girls too. May Craig, Sarah McClendon, names yeah. from out of Helen, names from out of the past. Uh, and then progressingly with Lyndon Johnson began to enter the fray and began to get to know presidents as a reporter, of course. We're not talking social friends. They're right. press secretaries. And with the exception of Ron Ziegler and of course Richard Nixon from the standpoint of what he was covering up, the Watergate burglary, uh, every other president up to this point whether I voted for them, and I voted in every presidential election since 1956 or not, as a reporter, I had uh, quite a bit of respect for them. Some more than others, of course. Uh, press secretaries, the same, some more than others. Right. But this is unusual. Now, people say, well, don't you read the early papers where Adams, Jefferson, these boys fought with tooth and nail, they called each other names. Yeah, I know, <laughs> but I wasn't there. So in my experience, this is unusual, and I hope we never see it again. You, you called uh, uh, Sarah Sanders. Uh, you said she should have an Academy Award for lying. I'm going to disagree with you. I don't think she's a good liar. I don't think she deserves the Academy Award. Well, then for effort. If someone gets <laughs> for A effort. for effort. Uh, uh, she's unusual. I've seen some press secretaries I thought weren't very good. 
<clears throat> some who uh, I thought when they s skipped the light fantastic so that they wouldn't lie, but they didn't quite tell all the truth, uh, went over the line a little bit. But nothing like this. She feels no compunction about saying things that we know, meaning reporters, and the American public must know, right. are true. She would, for instance, say something, and you, you remember these things more than I do. Yeah, about, I asked some of the questions. Uh, yeah, I no, sure about, do. About the president's uh, statements. He never said that. And you have a videotape of him saying that. I mean, right. <laughs> of course, he does the same thing. Well, I never said that. And he, Mr. President, here's a tape of you saying that. How do you square this? I mean, you've lost your mind. Of course, you don't say it exactly that way. No, he hasn't lost his mind. And I think she's probably much smarter than she might appear. But you tell me. I think she's insecure, immature, doesn't have the background to do the <clears throat> job that right. she does. Right. But is has an innate cunning ability to, to cover her tracks or to spin. And I think she picked that up on the job. But I don't think she's... Intelligence, I, I, I don't know if cunning is intelligence, but I, I sense cunning there and a desire to help her. I think, and there are people that I know that went over to work in the uh, administration from the RNC who say, you know, we thought it was an act when we came over that they just acted like they hated the press, but they really do. Mm. And they think that, so they justify what they do because they mm. think we're all out to get them. And that's, that takes me to my next question, which is, when I first saw you, I was in college, and you had a speech, and you said you'd be surprised how the press votes, because we hold everyone accountable, and the people that we like the most, we actually try to hold more accountable. And so I don't think that they understand that, or they choose not to understand that. But you stand by that, don't you? I mean, that's something you well. believe in. Brian, you know our job is to ask questions of public moment, questions that the public needs to see or would like to see the answer to. And often, those are not questions which say, tell me, sir, why are you such a great man? I mean, if he's a great man, if he's doing a great job, uh, wonderful. It's good for the country, and he deserves credit for it. And if he's up for re-election, for instance, he'll probably get it. But our job is not to talk about the things that are all going right. It's right. the things that may be going wrong, and why are they going wrong, and plans for tomorrow a president may have, what are they, that the American public should get the way in on. And so our questions usually are challenging questions of one sort or another. People say, well, that's a gotcha question. No, I never ask a question that in the back of my mind was, I'm asking this question because I may be able to trap the president or right, whoever right. I'm talking to. I've often asked questions that I know from the experience of watching the scene. It may be difficult because we're not getting a straight answer so far on something that's important. So I'm aware that if the president doesn't deliver an answer that satisfies the public, people can say, well, he got him. Well, I don't want them to say that. They'll, I would like them to say, he asked a good question. The president didn't give an answer that satisfied me. So I'd like to hear more questions along the same line. That's, there is a, um, in your book, by the way, Hold On, Mr. President, which is a great book. Uh, hold On, Mr. President. What do you know? <laughs> <laughs> I've read it a few times, <laughs> written a few. Uh, but, yeah, what do I know? I'm just the guy who asks questions. Mm -hmm. But there's a, um, there's a spot in there, and I had a similar um, encounter, but you encapsulated it, I think, really well with Larry Speaks. When Larry Speaks said, we won't tell you how to report the news, you don't tell us how to stage the news. 
I get the feeling today that the, the president wants to not only stage it, but tell us how to report it and then get upset with us if we don't report it the way he wants. This president believes that uh, the sun and the moon revolve around him. Uh, and he believes that everything he does is right. And he resents any touch of criticism, any little, uh, your left hair is out of place. Uh, you're a dirty dog. So I don't know how you deal with him. And Brian, I don't know how you reporters, and you particularly, there are two or three that are leading the pack, and you're one of them, uh, can stand it uh, in the sense that you have to do your job. But when you're not getting any sort of answer that makes any sense, when you know he's lying directly to you, what can you say? You're a liar. Now, I don't advise that. I don't think that's the way no, we should do this. But I'm not clear exactly. I never encountered anything like that beginning with, well, I shouldn't count Kennedy because I never asked him a question. Right. But beginning mm -hmm. with Lyndon Johnson. Never never had it. I, I've since Reagan, and I thought, and I've covered off and on since Reagan, um, I've never encountered anything like this myself. No. And, you know, and I thank you for the leading role, but I had a great mentor who told me, you know, made sure that, I, I mean, he was criticized, no, he was satirized in uh, Doonesbury called uh, Megaphone Sam. <laughs> well, and, and you always had that. I mean, in Doonesbury, they always gave you the helicopter question because you oh could yes. get your voice out. Which, by the way, an aside, people would say, and so the rotors were, the noise yeah. of the rot rotors are never in motion when the President of the United States is walking to or from a helicopter. That's right. Uh, the motor is running, you hear that sound, but the rotors Those. are stationary. Yes. Lest one slip its. its Jesus nut, yes. they call it, the, yeah, and the fly G off and take it and capitate it. <laughs> or us. <laughs> or us, thank you. They wouldn't mind that too much. No, that's right. That's, it, well, as, as a funny aside, we were on the South Lawn recently. It had been snowing. And so the helicopter, uh, they're telling us, they're, they're assembling us by the, um, over by the uh, residence because he's going in for a party. Then five minutes before, they say, no, he's going to the Oval. I, he's, he's not going to the Oval. So we go over to the, the oval side to set up, and sure enough, the helicopter lands. It blows snow all over us. So, you know, it, it's like we've been in a blizzard. I'm laughing. I know he has to be laughing in the helicopter. And sure enough, that thing lands, and he bolts straight for the residence. And now we're all running like crazy to try and ask him a question. And as long as I live, I made it over there, and there was one camera we had that was stationary, you know, that was the pool camera, and one microphone. And I said, uh, Mr. President, can you address, you know, this is during the government shutdown, can you address when we're going to have, when are you going to open government back up or something like that? He goes, yes, I can. We have McDonald's and we have Chick-fil-A tonight. And I'm going, I, I ran all this way to get a commercial for McDonald's. <laughs> well, you're lucky not to get a commercial for his winery, his <laughs> wines, his steaks, you know. <laughs> his, his, well, it's out, kaput now, his... Uh, School. <laughs> I, I, well, when we talk about some of the stuff that I wanted to talk about, but I do want to talk on some of the funny things too. I want to, and, and in case anybody doesn't know, I'll tell this story about you. You came to interview me after I had gotten fired for, for asking a question to President uh, Bush 41. Yeah, 41. And <clears throat> you showed up the day before I had been told by my, uh, station manager, I wasn't going to get 
my severance pay because I had been rude to the president. Oh, my. <laughs> yeah, that's what you said then. And, you, and I, I, you said, are you going to get your severance? And I said, no, Sam. As a matter of fact, they told me I wasn't. He goes, hand me, your, hand me the phone. So I hand you the phone. And you called up the news director and said, I'm just do, doing a little fact-checking before I come over. Is uh, uh, I'm on my way over. Is uh, Brian going to get his severance? He is. Okay, thanks. <laughs> so I owe you, Sam. I was, my wife was seven months pregnant with our second child. I had made the first house payment in my life on the first house we bought. Well, I'd never heard this story before. Yes. I am delighted that I had some help <laughs> in keeping your dear family together, but your wife happy yeah so 35 years later here we are um but i i've never forgotten that and i and i always wanted to thank you for it now i get to thank you publicly for it but um there was this uh time you covered the, the richard nixon and, and and what happened and there was he never got impeached but there were impeachment proceedings pending do you see any parallel to that do you think that it will end up in the same direction or do you think it won't well i think nancy pelosi is quite correct. An impeachment investigation now, regardless of the evidence that I think is already on the table, would go nowhere because of the Republican Senate, if for no other reason. Second, it would mobilize his base even more than they're mobilized now, and I'm not for that. And third, I think the answer is an election, 2020, because what we have to do in 2020, I believe, and my opinion obviously, is remove him from office, not give him a second term, but so decisively that the people who adhere to him, misled or because they understand his views and they like them, will understand that they're not going to run this country, that they're not going to have another chance, at least I trust in anyone's lifetime, to uh, get behind someone like Donald J. Trump. So it's not just to defeat him, it's to defeat them. They're good Americans in many senses. I have friends, people I know, who uh, still adhere to him very strongly. Yes, I do And too. on the other hand, they would give you the shirt off their back if you needed it. They're good neighbors. They're honest people, hard workers. All the, all the traits you'd love to have as a friend, except they have a blind spot uh, in this regard. And I want to show them that they've got to open their eyes that they're not going to prevail with wanting to uh, uh, have all the brown people thrown out yeah. or have us be a white Christian country. We have almost 8 billion people, according to the people who try to count this, in the world today. And over 78% of them are not white. Right. Now, anyone who thinks a white conclave trying to make it by putting walls around itself and still exist in the future is not seeing what's happening. They're not seeing what will happen to their children, their grandchildren. Well, yeah, and I, I worry about that. I, I also worry, is that, he'll go to rallies in Wisconsin and Michigan and talk about building a wall, but those people aren't affected by what's going on. The people on the border where things are happening are, are going, no, we don't, we don't need the wall. I'm from the Southwest. I live in the Southwest now that I'm no longer doing what you're doing. Uh, we get along fine. Uh, Anglos, Hispanics, and some Native Americans where I live in New Mexico. Uh, in communities, oh, people get shot, but for the old reasons, you know. Right. They want to steal from 7-Eleven, or there's a love triangle going on, or what have you. Uh, but we get along. He doesn't understand that, I guess. 
Maybe no. he doesn't want to understand that. Well, I see a lot of people that don't want to understand that. And it, it, it concerns me because here we are trying to provide news to people and vetted factual information. And it seems like some people don't understand what it is that we're communicating. Is, it, is that? <coughs> well, I, again, I've had it so fortunate compared to you and those of you working today. When I was working for the most part, three television networks that spanned the country. There were some odd uh, others, but they were right. very small. There was no internet. There was no VCR. If you watch, uh, you couldn't have a little home movie. Uh, there was no way to communicate other than telephone, uh, telegraph. <laughs> no one knows what that is anymore. You know, you weren't texting people. Fax machine. No, and so you watch television. You had to watch us, meaning the reporters who did it in those days, and tried to present factual information. You know, there wasn't an opportunity to discover. Uh, that the kids uh, in Shady Hook weren't really killed. They were all government actors. Yeah. They didn't die. There was no opportunity to discover the Holocaust didn't exist. Look at these great websites that have all the real information. So or climate you changes. had to listen to us, and we tried to present the facts. And you didn't have to absorb them, but you didn't have an alternative set of facts, as Marianne would say. Yeah, right? Kellyanne Conway. That's right, Kellyanne, rather. Um, so I think today it's very confusing Young people seem to get it, though. Yes. It, it, it's older generations that fall Our back generation. and they don't know what's going on except what Donald Trump says going on or Fox News. Um, conducting yourself in a, in a news conference, we talked a little bit about mm -hmm. that earlier. The November one that was, I, I remember, I had a question. And I've noticed that Trump, he will call on me and Jim Acosta when he has his almost back-to-back. -to, -back. to show how terribly mean and cruel and unfair you are to his it, face. That's why he calls on you. That's probably true. But he, he, he had been going on about Oprah, and I had a question about the elections, because this was right after the November midterm, and the Democrats were going to take control of the House. So my question was about <clears throat> when Clinton was being impeached, he still managed to work with Congress. So I wanted to ask him, if, if they begin to investigate you, can you compartmentalize that and for the good of the nation, continue to work with Congress? And he said, no, it's going to be a, it, it's, it, that's it. That was, uh, he's going to be on a war footing. But before that, he had been talking about Oprah. So I got up and I said, I, I had a question, Mr. President, but before I ask it, I have to ask, why are you asking so much about Oprah? And he said, um, well, who's this guy think he is, a comedian? And I, and I almost pulled the Dan Rather line out. No, Mr. President, or you. Are you right. But yeah, but I didn't because I stayed I wanted to stay Good. on topic because I wanted to keep him engaged on what on what the questions were. So I have found that that at least in regards to the president, he's deserving of a certain amount of, of respect because he is the that's the office that you're I respecting. agree. I mean from the standpoint of respect as a reporter asking questions. Right. Uh, no one, if they wish to understand who he is and see what he is, need to respect him as a person. Right. But in your job, you have to, you're not on the same plane as the president. We right. reporters, we're never on the same plane. We ask questions, maybe a follow-up that's provocative in the sense of still probing, but it's not as if we're having a crossfire argument in which there are two equal sides. And any time a reporter tries to put him or herself in that position, I think we lose. We lose the audience. We lose the people we're trying to convince that 
we're seriously asking a question because we want an answer for them, not right. because we want a grandstand for us. Right. That's and and I. But see, I think they try to flip the script and turn it around and make right. it about us. Of course, of course. And Kellyanne is notorious mm. for that. One day, I just said, "Look, I just work here. I'm just asking the questions. It's not about me. Why are you making it about me? It's about you. Don't. Mm -hmm. Why can't you answer mm -hmm. the question?" And I feel like somewhere along the line, we kind of lost that with this president. It's become like butting heads constantly. Well, I think there are a couple of reasons. He's delighted to butt heads with you because it energizes his base and he thinks continues this line that it's all fake news except for Fox News or two or three other state run that's right, news. That's right, state run news. Uh, and secondly, I think it's because we're human beings. Believe it or not, folks, I'm a human being, <laughs> yeah, even those right. of you who saw me cover your favorite president and hated me. Uh, and when we don't get straight answers, when we know we're being spun and used, the gorge comes up. There's a natural tendency to want to fight back. We just got to suppress it. We just got to keep it down. Uh, it's got to be uh, him. If, he, if something looks wrong to the audience, it ought to be his non-answers look wrong. Right. Not our Art. provocation to him. And I, I still think that no matter what we do, they're going to see it as provocative. I mean, um, and I think press secretaries get a different treatment than the president because press secretaries are not the president. But that's my opinion. I, I, I respect what they do, but I have a real hard problem with someone who doesn't understand that we ask questions and they provide answers, trying to tell me that my question is not valid. I've always been told there's no such thing as a bad question, only bad only answers. Only bad answers. <laughs> well, there's sometimes questions I'd ask. I'd look back on and say it was, I wasted everyone's time, including the president's. It was a question that didn't need to be asked, or it was a silly question in that the answer was there and I didn't realize it, and people already, things like that. Otherwise, you just ask the questions. Now, press secretaries, we talked about that a right. moment ago, are, are different. Mike McCurry had the... <laughs> terrible job of having to dance and weave during the Monica Lewinsky affair right before the president to the grand jury had to come clean and confess and was still denying that he had any sort of relationship like that with this right. young woman one day in the press room and I was back again it's White House correspondent uh, we asked I can't remember what it was we asked McCurry what about this and he said well I don't know the answer to that and someone said well, go find out. I mean, we can't right. see the president. To go ask him. He knows the answer. And McCurry said, no, I'm not going to do that. And I think we all got very upset and, and started saying, what do you mean? You're the press secretary. Go ask the president the question. It's a legitimate question. Come tell us the answer. And he said, I'm not going to do it because I don't want to have to lie to you. It's in the transcript. Yeah. And I'm thinking, wow, if Clinton is watching this, what is he going to do? <laughs> the McCurry is saying, in effect, I think the president would lie to me. Yeah. I would have to come out here and tell you what he said. I know it's not true. I mean, well, that's a unique circumstance. He, he, he was a guest on this podcast, by the way, and he, 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 he tells the flip side of that. And he, and he said that was one of the reasons why he, you know, he couldn't stay around. He couldn't lie for the guy. Well, that's true. Now, we know, and the public, I'm sure, understands that a press secretary at the White House has a very big job of making the president look as good as possible. That's He's not job. there to come out and say, boy, let me tell you, the boss sure blew it this morning. You should have been <laughs> in the Oval Office. <laughs> no. 
When things go wrong, his job is to try to smooth it over, uh, dance and weave. One of the best that I ever saw was a guy named Marlon Fitzwater. Yeah. Oh, Marlon would come out jolly and all of this, and you knew that something was falling apart. And you say, well, it's falling apart. But, oh, no, he said it was not falling apart. Let me tell you, he wouldn't actually wink, but what he would say in the way his tone of voice was, look, guys, gals, I know that you're not going to take this because it's, a lot of it is blowing smoke, but you know that's my job to do this. It's not personal, and I don't want to insult you. But let me, let me blow the smoke. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's, that's the difference, I think. Maybe you've touched on what I think the difference is. They take it personally today. Well, some, some of that, I guess they really feel that uh, somehow their boss is the greatest guy in the world and is being unfairly attacked. But I think some of it, the, they, they feel themselves, they know that they're in the spotlight and I think if you tell me who's smart and who's not, yeah. they're smart enough to know that their reputations are being sullied by what they are doing. What they feel they have to do or what they want to do, it doesn't matter. Uh, Kellyanne I, is probably the smartest of the bunch. And when the Mueller report came out, I noticed she defended her campaign. She didn't defend the president. When the Mueller report came out, she defended her actions because she was knee deep or hip deep or waist deep or neck deep in that campaign. But she wasn't admonished too much be before Mueller. And the Mueller uh, report kind of exonerated her to a bit, or at least so far it has. Uh, we don't know about the 12 further investigations that are ongoing. Right. But she spun, her spin was about how she conducted herself. I, I noticed that a lot of it was. And she was taking a kind of a, a victory lap saying, you know, ha, 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 I, you know, it didn't touch me. So I think she's one of the smarter ones there. But I think she's also tried to separate herself a bit from the president, even as she spins everything that he does. Well, you know more than I do about that. All I see is what I see and hear of her in the public it's, forum, beginning with, of course, the fact that there are alternative facts. There are well, not alternative yeah. facts, no, uh, there like isn't. the great Rashomon story. There are alternative views of how to interpret the facts, Yes, the rape scene from four different, uh, but not alternative <laughs> facts. And I notice as we're talking, the flap over him reaffirming his words about Charlottesville. And yes. she says something like, that's a perfect, he was perfectly beautiful in what, how he reaffirmed them. And what he's saying now, well, I was attacking, I wasn't attacking anyone, but I was saying people who revered Robert E. Lee. They're, they're good people. But that's not what he said. <laughs> no, he's talking about the Nazis. Yeah. He didn't use the word Nazi, but those were the people on the other side. I was at Charlottesville, <laughs> and there was nothing that was fine about that situation. A guy used his car as a battering ram mm -hmm. to kill someone, and the white nationalist there, no, that was a horrible, horrible, and it was a lie. And, and I think sometimes we have a problem We when we ask questions... I think the questions expose the lies. I don't think we go, you're a liar, Mr. President. Well, but if, people, if people hear the question, but the president doesn't give a satisfactory answer or any answer, they might think, well, why didn't he answer that question? I guess the worst question I ever asked, worst in the sense of, of vulgarity, I guess, in a way, but it was in the news. It had been done nationally by more than one news publication. 
So one night I asked Bill Clinton when he called on me, I said, Mr. President, Juanita Broderick claims you raped her. And if that's not true, sir, what was your relationship with Ms. Broderick, if any? Well, he said, I he had just been uh, freed of the impeachment. The Senate had failed to convict him. Right. He said, I have pledged to work for every day of what's remaining of my presidency for the American people. I'm not going to take questions or answer questions like that anymore. My attorney, David Kendall, uh, who had represented him, uh, has made a statement on that, and that's all that's going to be said about it. And he turned away from me, and I said, can't you just deny it, sir? And he said, see my attorney. Well, no one had accused Mr. Kendall of rape. Right. So people could listen to this non-answer, my question, uh, and wonder why couldn't he just say, no, no, that's not true, or something along those lines. And if they wanted to conclude that the reason he couldn't say it was there might be something to it, then they had the right to do that. You have covered every president, well, you covered a little bit. Who do you think in, in your professional reporting uh, era, who was the best president? You mean as a reporter to cover, to be getting, I mean, well, I, well, I'll ask it both ways. As a reporter to cover, who was the best president? And who do you think overall was, as a, as a president, was a- I'm, See, I'm dodging the question just as if I were a press secretary <laughs> or a president, Brian. Because and I'll try to hold you to so it. So many, so many facets to the question. I mean, it's yeah. a fair question, but so many facets. For instance, clearly the so-called great communicator, Ronald Reagan, was the best, in my experience, at communicating. I didn't cover Franklin Roosevelt, right. who, <laughs> or someone who might have <laughs> right. been much better. I mean, in your lifetime. That's right. Uh, he was the best one. Uh, he had a way about him. He had been a Hollywood actor. He once said to David Brinkley and others, you know, I don't see how uh, anyone can be president without having been an actor, meaning use the bully pulpit. Right. And he did it. And he had, had this elderly, I mean, it was Father Time who was there reassuring the nation when the challenger went down with Christy McAuliffe and all, all those people. Uh, and so he was the best at communicating emotion, leadership, and often facts. <laughs> Sometimes Ronald Reagan, of course, yeah, he messed up a few facts. Yeah. Ketchup still in the vegetable. Uh, <laughs> I covered Jimmy Carter's first term, and I think history is going to treat him better than the voters did. I have no quarrel with the election in 1980, uh, but uh, Carter was an engineer. He tried to solve problems. He wasn't much interested in being a politician anymore after he narrowly won the presidency. He didn't massage his flock. He didn't right. massage the country. He sat in the Oval Office, and after someone told him, no, you shouldn't, sir, waste your time crossing off who can play in the White House tennis court. He was always trying to do things. And he did some things that were important. And he had some bad luck. I liked him, as you can tell. Yeah. Many of his fans would not agree that I liked him, again, from the, <laughs> from the questions I asked him. Because he clearly, toward the end, was seen as failing. And toward the end, he was failing. And you can say, for this reason wasn't his fault, or this reason wasn't that fault. Hey, if you're at the top, you take the lumps or you take the credit, whether you deserve either. Right. <laughs> well, you know, you mentioned Ronald Reagan. And I use this incident to, show, to highlight the differences between the current president and Ronald Reagan. Ronald Reagan got a lot of grief from a lot of reporters. But... Ronald Reagan saved your job, did he not? Oh, he did. <laughs> well, he did one time. 
was, uh, that would not happen today. I want you to tell the story, but I flat guarantee <sighs> you that if the same thing happened to me and Donald Trump, Donald Trump would not come to my <laughs> I aid. I sure didn't. Uh, <laughs> so tell us. You know, well, Ronald Reagan would come. Uh, he would preside over your, your son's bar mitzvah. He would, he would come, you know. And when we opened the ABC News Bureau in November of 1981 here in Washington, uh, he came <clears throat> to sort of preside and, and congratulate ABC for opening this wonderful new <laughs> news bureau. And with him was uh, my boss, uh, and with all of us was our maximum boss, Leonard Goldenson, who was the founder and owner of ABC. Uh, and uh, Reagan said some nice things. But it happened that on that day, we'd learned from an article done in one of the magazines that David Stockman, who was the budget director, had told the reporter, listen, these numbers are terrible. I don't know what we're going to have to do. Our projections are all off. This big tax cut is too big. <laughs> I mean, right. So Helen, Helen Thomas and I started in on the president. Hey, Mr. President, David Stockman, what's that? Well, I, I don't, just a minute, I don't know. And, and Rune Arledge said, That's, well, this is not a press conference. That was my boss. Yeah. He was realized this was very embarrassing to the president of the United States who'd come to do us all at ABC a favor. And here I am, part of a pack just attacking him from the standpoint of his budget director. And I said, uh, rather foolishly, because Rune, I, I said, well, <laughs> let's fire me then. And Rune said, that's not a bad idea. And his tone of voice said to me, uh-oh, <laughs> I've gone too far. They went backstage, and Ted Koppel happened to be there, and so he's a good reporter, and Ted reported the following, that um, Michael Deaver, who was Reagan's right-hand man in a sense, started in on Rune Arledge and Leonard Goldenson. This is very embarrassing. We come here, the President of the United States has come here to help open this bureau, and your man starts attacking the, the story and, and all of that. And it's very dangerous because Leonard Golden says clearly is unhappy about this. And then a voice sings out, oh, that's all right. That's just Sam. And it's Ronald Reagan. Oh. <laughs> if I could have, I'd have, I'd have sent him a birthday card well, or something. Well, <laughs> just Sam being I got Sam. along very well with him. Uh, and I got along, I think, pretty well with Jimmy Carter. Not so well with, with uh, Clinton, I guess, uh, for he various reasons. He was a tough reasons. guy to get. Yeah. I, I remember I caught him when he was first running. It was right after the 60-minute um, piece where he was defending himself. And uh, that was the first time I ran across yeah. him in a while. And he was nowhere in the polls at the time. And we popped up with a camera, uh, NBC. And so we pop up with a camera, start asking him questions. He was not happy to answer any of the questions that I asked. But his wife said, answer the questions. And he, he did. So she had a bit of control over him if, at that if time. the Hillary Rodham Clinton of 1991, 92, 93, in there, had been the woman who was running 2016, I think she would have won because she was part of the big loss. And it wasn't his glory so much as the fact that they ran a terrible campaign and she couldn't relate to people. And the way she related having been demonized by the Republicans for a long time, was like a turtle with a hard scabbard. Right. <laughs> Instead of, hey, I'm just another gal. I love you. Right. <laughs> None of that. I think she had taken a lot of pounding for about she had, 20 years. She had, she had. 
Now she she brought a lot of it on herself. I yep. am not sitting here as no, her no, campaign agree. manager. I'm just simply saying that the, that that Hillary that you talk about, who said answer the questions, and yeah, <laughs> that was a Smart different lady. Hil- yeah, different Hillary than I saw yeah. on the campaign trail oh, in 2016. Yeah. What do you think? I, I going back to the White House. Would you go back there today? No. Oh no. <laughs> It's a young man's game, young man, <laughs> and, and gal's game. Uh, you have to have a lot of energy. You have to keep up on everything that's going on. You have to have your mind a little <laughs> clearer than when you get to be 85. It is. Uh, I wouldn't go back, no. Is there a question you'd like to ask Trump? I think you uh, and others are asking the right questions when you have an opportunity to do it. So it's not, oh, they forgot to ask this, or that was not put in a way that he had to either answer or be seen not to answer. You're doing a great job. Well, thanks. I, I can't think of one that I, I would want to ask that you haven't. I would, I want to address, well, a couple things, but I want to address the idea that every time I'm told that he's the most transparent and accessible president. <laughs> but you know, I was talking the other night with Anderson Cooper on CNN, and we both were saying the same thing. He is. Anyone who's actually watched him listened to him, read his tweets, either directly or in the news, knows who he is. Yes. Anyone who has his or her eyes open has got him cold. I'm more interested these days in continuing to examine the people who still adhere to him. What are their reasons? Uh, some, I think, are ignoble, and I think I have no respect for whatsoever. The bigots. Right. The prejudiced people who want all the brown Mexicans out and that kind of thing. Right. But a lot of them, I think, are good people, except what is it they either see or don't see in Donald J. Trump? I, that's the, yeah, that's the $69 million question right there. Right? I was with someone the other night uh, in our group of people uh, who said her husband uh, loves him. I said, well, why? Because your husband's a smart guy. And he said, the, she said, it's the economy. We're doing well. They're business people. He said, we're doing well. He loves this. He attributes it to, to Trump, and he's going to want to continue it, and I'm sure he'll try to vote for Trump in 2020, regardless of all this other stuff. He'll hold his nose, but he'll vote for him. <laughs> okay, wonderful. <laughs> the, the, uh, what about all this other stuff? Doesn't that matter? <laughs> it, all that other stuff does matter. I mean, do the ends justify the means is always the right. question. But. I, I maintain that the reason why the economy is doing well, or and it's a continuation, of course, of the Obama economy, right. is when you slash all the regulations and let the robber barons run free, it's going to help the economy for a while. Particularly for them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah, for Listen, them, it's great. <laughs> if I was a multi-billionaire with a company and all of this and in the international trade, uh, I, hey, get in, get in on... China, for instance. As we're talking, we're not quite certain. We're told that the next meeting may be a very important meeting. Uh, We're not quite certain how it's going to come out. Does she bend enough so that he can say, look what I've achieved with China when no one else could? Or at the end, like Kim Il-sung, Kim Jong-un, rather. Right. uh, It's Trump who gets taken. It's Trump who gets monkeyed. Well, I think he got played by North Korea. He's lovely. Now this guy, this murderous dictator of this small country of people, is on the international stage. He's had his first meeting with Vladimir Putin. The two of them issued a communique, a little bland, but what it's saying actually, if you look at it, is, hey, we're now together. 
and we're opposing the United States of America. <laughs> well, thank you, Donald, for, <laughs> for bringing Kim onto the world stage on the belief that you and your personality, your bright star, can make him a Democrat. No! <laughs> no, make him a Republican. Oh, make him a Republican. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, great. <laughs> hey, now, uh, what's the funniest thing that's ever happened to you while covering the president? Oh, a lot of, lot of funny stories, you know, funny things. R R Reagan was an interesting person. He loved to do these one-liners, you know, and sometimes they were great in the sense that they avoided the questions. But the funniest question, obviously, it turned out I ever asked was of Ronald Reagan. Uh, two years into his administration, we were still in a, in a pretty deep recession. We were coming out of it, as we could see now, but uh, still interest rates were very high. Unemployment was 10.8%. Right. Uh, and so at a news conference one night, I was called in and I said, Mr. President, tonight you have blamed this continuing recession on Congress and the mistakes of the past. Doesn't any of the blame belong to you? Yes, he said, I was once a Democrat. <laughs> <laughs> so egg, we all laughed, you know. How how could we all laugh? We thought that was great. The hell with the question. <laughs> the hell with the question. I'm going for the one-liner. But you have had any reporters cover the White House in length of time. Well, of course, this administration may be different. Have lots of funny stories about going abroad with the president. Yep. Things that happened. Jimmy Carter once, uh, one of his first trips, if not his first trip abroad, was to uh, Poland. Uh, first stop in a kind of a semi-world swing, and he had delivered a speech, <laughs> pablum, you know, how uh, much uh, we admire Poland, we admire the Polish people, the American people felt a kinship with the Polish people, uh, and all of that. And, and we noticed that the Polish reporters started laughing. It was in translation, you know, going right. back and forth. And when the, when the Polish... The translator, who was a U.S. State Department translator, would translate it into Polish. The Polish reporters started laughing. We found out before too long that when Mr. Carter got to the point of saying that we love the Polish people, the translator made it sound like we was wanted carnal knowledge of the Pol <laughs> Polish people. <laughs> oh. <laughs> well, he did say he left it in his heart. Yeah, well, that was, he was trying to prove he was a regular guy. A yeah, regular he was a regular hanging guy. Hanging on to the screen door after the interview was over. Right. Don't, don't have one more answer to a question that hasn't been asked. <laughs> right. <laughs> that, well, you have good times with these presidents often because uh, until recently, I can say that, again, I had uh, some affection for every president I've covered. Now, Richard Nixon, I was the Watergate correspondent, but not the White House correspondent. Right. So I was in the room when Ron Ziegler was lying. But the difference between Ziegler, in my opinion, and uh, Sarah Huckabee Sanders is that Ziegler lied about one thing. Was the president covering up this burglary right. and all of the questions that surrounded it? He lied about it. He lied about it. I think he knew him. he was lying right. about it. But if you'd ask him a question about foreign policy or domestic policy or something, you'd get a straight answer. Often the truth, you know, he'd tell us the facts. She seems to lie about everything. It's, it's a default mechanism. If she says it's sunny, I'm looking outside to check. Right. I mean, that's, so that's the difference between the two of them. I'm not trying to elevate Ziegler. Right. No, Ziegler had problems. But um, we've I, never seen anything like this administration in all of its manifestations, with some exceptions, some good people. 
But here yes. is the Commerce Secretary. Courts have already found that he didn't tell the truth in why he wanted to put a census question about who's a citizen in the next census. Right. These are not me saying this. These are the judges who say And he, some of them are Republican truthful. appointed yes, judges. I mean, and you go up and down the line of people who have left. Zinke's left now. Uh, the EPA administrator has gone under great clouds. I mean, when oh, you there's look, a, yeah, you ca I can't even list everyone that's left. Right. When you look at an administration, my experience has been uh, birds of a feather flock together. And again, if the leader wants straight, honest administrators in his positions, in his cabinet, this, that, that's what he gets. And if he finds someone isn't, that man or woman's out. But you can't find a whole slew of people who are doing the same thing well, to it, the public trust. I, I find it fascinating that they will spout the line and not have the not have the basics, basic understanding of the issue that they're speaking on. And, and that, that's that, frustrating. That, that, that amazes you, huh? <laughs> so when the president says if someone tries to impeach him, he'll run to the Supreme Court and they'll take care of it. I, I, he has not read the Constitution of the United States. So why does he expect his interior secretary to know anything about the interior department? Oh, I well, I, when uh, you're talking about Zinke, right? Yeah. He had a, a, a there was an eye-opening moment in one of his briefings at the beginning where he said basically they were going to go through the national parks and dig them all up and take out all the coal and oil and everything and then they replace them and it would be just like new. <laughs> That's like clean coal. Yeah. Yes, hey, right. let's, let's get some ivory soap and clean up all the coal. coal it would be right. wonderful. <laughs> the, these people are ignorant. Donald J. Trump is basically ignorant about things other than his cunning ability as a con man right. uh, to skip ahead of the last payment to his creditors that he owes and take money from people who want to go to college, want to buy his wine, want to buy his steaks, want to uh, sit in his hotels or what have you. He stuttered under Roy Cohn. I met Roy Cohn once, but I can't say I knew him better other than his reputation. He was Senator McCarthy's man. Right. Hunting communists in the Which army. Which was a con job. Yes, con job. Cohn's philosophy clearly was win and win at any cost, and never mind whether it's legal or not, never mind who you hurt or not, you win. And Donald J. Trump has adopted that philosophy. You think he got his Roy Cohn when he got William Barr? I have more respect for Barr than it now appears to be. Yes, I know what he did when he was uh, George Herbert Walker Bush's uh, attorney right. general. Uh, he cut some corners there in a way I don't approve of but it didn't seem to me to be so egregious as to require a hanging. What he's done here is be counselor for the president. Rather than attorney general for all the people in his department, he's been the president's personal lawyer. And, and you see it in that memo? In the memo, but basically you see it in his news conference when the full report was, uh, the redacted report was sent to Congress and he talked about it. And you see the way he talks. Five times, he's no collusion. I wanted to make certain everyone got it. No collusion. He kept repeating, and we know the collusion is not a legal term. Right. It, it was a word that embraced, well, did he play with the Russians? And the report clearly says that his administration, or his people played with the Russians, but not to the point where a criminal charge could be found against them. Yeah, they look like the gang that couldn't shoot straight is how <laughs> I, I think. Yes, I mean, 
you and I might be able to collude. With yeah, that's right. We would have had a little more success at it. They, as, as much as they wanted to, they were just inept yes, at doing yes, it. Yes, that, 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 that's the And the obstruction case, I, I know there are reasons why Mueller believes, one, the department's regulations. That's not a constitutional provision that a right. president cannot be indicted while he's in office. But years ago, the Justice Department decided that's what they would say, and it's sort of there. Plus the fact that, again, I think he issued a report on part two, that is that the instruction, was, yeah. which said, look, folks, if it walks like a duck yeah. and looks like a duck and it quacks like a duck, it's probably have, a duck. You have, that's right. You have every reasonable ability to believe that it's a duck. But I, as a prosecutor, have got to have absolute evidence beyond a shadow of a doubt to try to convict that duck. So take the report, Congress, if you want to as a roadmap and see what you can do with it. Yeah, I think it was, I, I said it was a, uh, a guidebook for wise men to use, a tool. Same thing that Jaworski did for Nixon, and that did impeachment, far different yeah. climate. He laid it out in a report for Congress. The Judiciary Committee did no personal investigation at all. That's the Rodino Committee in 1974. It took his report. And of course, Starr tried that with Clinton, but didn't work, did it? Well, it didn't work for lots of reasons. They got away with it, if that's the word, because Clinton clearly not only obstructed justice, but committed perjury. At the end of his term, uh, the man who was then the independent counsel, or special counsel, I guess they'd, by this time they'd called it, said to the, the Clinton people, I want him to confess that he committed perjury publicly or the moment he leaves office, I will indict him and we'll go before a jury. So he did. Piece of paper on his last day in office, he had one of the highest rating. He, when he left office on that day, his rating was higher than the day Reagan left office, his rating. So it was very popular. They issued a paper in which he said, under his name, this piece of paper, that he had given false testimony under oath. Well, that's the definition of perjury. perjury. And so uh, the special counsel didn't try to indict him. But in the, case of, in the case of Donald Trump, I'm on Mueller's side. I think he probably did the right thing both ways. To try to indict him uh, would have gone to court, and I think we'd have an election before it would be decided. Right. And the Supreme Court would be able to weigh in on whether the law had been followed in this case, whereas on impeachment, the Supreme Court has nothing to say about that. About, do you think Trump has irrevocably harmed, A, the United States, and B, our profession? I think he has harmed it greatly. I do not believe it's irrevocably harmed. I think, quoting Lincoln, that the good sense, I've heard of that guy. Yeah, <laughs> the good sense of the American people will ultimately prevail. Now, he was talking about toward the end of the Civil War and he could see that they were prevailing, <laughs> the American people being the North. I think the majority of people in this country want the mores, want the ethics, want the morality, want, want all of the standards that we all grew up with, their parents, their grandparents. And we've had bad times at every generation. I'm not suggesting that it was just the Civil War in which there were riots in the street and people killed and what have you. 
But basically, we are a country built on standards. Yeah. He's harmed them in every possible way, but I don't think he's destroyed them. Uh, we'll see in 2020. What about our profession? I think we're, we're harmed. I think, too, my reservation is, if it were just the profession I knew, meaning the reporters I knew, and I'm not talking about the individual, right. Ryan Cameron, and what they stood for and how they tried to report, I wouldn't have any worry. But all of these multiple ways that people can get their news, including Fox News, is very disturbing. Murdoch, Rupert Murdoch, has done great harm to this country. Yes, he has. And Roger Ailes, God rest his soul, you know, <laughs> done great harm to this, this country. That's and that win-win philosophy you the talk terrible, about. Yeah, the terrible thing is Fox and Friends in the morning and Hannity and um, what's his name in, in the evening? Mean, yeah. These are the people doing the harm. And, and Jeannie, you know, the reporters who are doing during the day and my friend Chris Wallace, you, I, I want to hire him. I'm a, he yeah. used to work for ABC News, NBC News. Yeah. Uh, Brett Fair, uh, uh, Smith, uh, and Britt Hume, uh, Brick, Brits, John Sarbury. Roberts. Oh, that's right. These are straight guys and gals. Uh, they, they belong in any news organization that I admire. But they are sullied and hurt by the fact that they are working for Fox because Fox has commanded Trump's base and Trump often. But yeah. I think some of them are, don't have, you know, like I met one who was a, called themselves a senior producer. I said, how old are you? And he said, 24. I go, how, how old's a junior producer, 12? I mean, I, I was, I, I walk in there and, and I don't think they have a, a, an understanding of the history or the depth. And I think our, our knowledge, our institutional knowledge is low. I remember Helen that's that's a joke I tell about you too, I, and, and there is the infamous Sam Donaldson wit. Don't don't pretend there isn't. But, uh. <laughs> yeah, but Helen Thomas, you know, she was going. There's 250 years worth of experience on this front row, Brian, and I think it was you who said, "Yeah, I think you got about 150 of it, Helen." And she turned around and said something, and and you say hey, it's okay to have an unexpressed thought. And she goes, "I had a lot of unexpressed thoughts when it come to you, Sam." Helen had what is known as the nose for news. Yeah. What I would do at the White House, and I make no bones about it, is a slow day or something, and I'd see Helen go out of her booth and go up, amble up toward the uh, press office. And I'd know there wasn't anything that I could see that was worth asking about except wait for the briefing. So I'd amble afterwards, and then uh, Jody Powell or uh, Larry Speaks or whoever was there would uh, see us. We were the only two, and she'd ask a couple of questions. We didn't get the earthquake views that we, you know, right. but, but we got something that was interesting and was exclusive to her, and I and you. feed yeah. off of it. Um, you have to have an instinct. You have to know when they're lying and when they're not. Well, In that's the old easy. Days, <laughs> that's right. Today, Today, it's a little easier. <laughs> they open their mouths, and <laughs> it's a lie. It's a lie. Uh, well, I remember Helen would knock on that press door. I mean, she'd go to that press, right. and you were right there with her. Oh, I, I try to, because yeah. I wanted the, to follow the great one. <laughs> <laughs> the two of you would be up actually pounding on the door. Uh, and the, nowadays, you And the press the secretaries then would, if you, one little thing, uh, we're going to have a, a state dinner, um, because Deng Xiaoping, who was at that moment head of the China, communist China, succeeded Mao Zedong. He had the power. He was coming to visit the United States. Big deal. So uh, 
we saw his itinerary, but a visit to San Clemente, Richard Nixon, adored by China. He had opened China right. to the United States. I mean, Only Nixon he was a China. god to the yeah. Chinese, was not on the schedule. And we'd, we'd ask almost daily for a while, Jody Powell, the press secretary, you, are you certain he's not going to see Nixon at, at San Clemente? And uh, Powell said, as far as we know, no, I mean, he's free to tell us where he'd like to go, and he's not on the schedule. So a light bulb went off one day, and I went in to see Jody, and I said, Jody, is it possible that he's been invited to the state dinner? And Powell said, uh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, in other words, Don, Don Chaupin <laughs> and Richard Nixon, meaning We're, Richard yeah. Nixon came to the Don I meant Nixon to the state invited, dinner. right to the state dinner, rather than Don going to him. He uh, went to Don. Those things were, <laughs> those things were, uh, were few and far between. Usually, the press secretary would try to cover something up, and Helen would, would uh, discover it. Once uh, we saw a little bandage on Reagan's nose, little little bandage like yeah. you and I buy at the drugstore, and so we said to Speaks, "What's wrong? A little bandage on his nose. What's wrong?" Little well, Speaks said uh, he had a little. Uh, uh, I, dis I don't remember how he described Discoloration. Little, little spot. Yeah. And they, uh, they checked it uh, for bacteria. There was no bacteria. Okay, we said that's fine. And someone came and I think told Helen it was basal cell cancer. Well, hell. That's so he thinks he hadn't quite lied. Uh, we checked it for bacteria. That's they checked true. it for bacteria. No one. The next day, Helen and I started in. We thought, you lied to us. I didn't lie to you. I mean, it was you say it's not well. Uh, yes, there was some basal, a little basal cell cancer there. <laughs> Nancy, no bacteria. Nancy Reagan has said to Larry Speaks, "You do not say it's cancer. You don't tell him it's cancer." Speaks hadn't told him until we, and Helen said, "Yes, but you rang down an iron curtain on the truth." Yeah. No. <laughs> That's Helen. That's Helen. That's now. Wonderful, wonderful I, I want to tell my favorite Sam Donaldson anecdote. If it, if Which may or may not be true, but go <laughs> ahead. Okay, <laughs> and it's true. We uh, it was a '96 uh, Democratic convention in Chicago, and I ran into you mm -hmm. there, and you said, "I want to introduce you to Peter Jennings," and I said, "Actually, Sam, I, I know Peter," and and you go, "Well, how do you know Peter?" I said, "Well." Uh, my mom actually dated once. And you got a grin from ear to ear, and you go, this is going to be great. And so I worked out what I was going to say to Peter. And you walked up, and you said, uh, Peter, I'll introduce you to Brian Kerry. I'm the young man who went to jail for the First Amendment. He was one of the, and, and he says, it's a pleasure to meet you, young man. And I saw you out of the corner of my eye, and I, I said, well, Peter, we've actually met before. And he goes, how's that? And I, I said, well, in 1971 or so, you, you, you dated my mother. And he got red. And now you're laughing already. And he says, uh, well, I certainly hope I was a gentleman. I said, you were perfect. I said, do you want your socks back? <laughs> <laughs> That's better than saying, nice to meet you, Dad. <laughs> <laughs> but the look on your face, I'll never forget. Mm -hmm. was, and you, you did that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> well... <laughs> uh, I was, I was, uh, those were my salad days, and I was a little you were rambunctious, cut up. <laughs> cut up yeah. But what's, what's wrong with that? I, I mean, I love a sense of humor. I wish we had more of it. It's hard. I'll tell you, Sam, in the White House today, there's very little humor. That's what's How can there be? It's so grim. In other words, if you said, you know, except for the briefings, which you haven't had in so long, 
Uh, we just sit around laughing in the press room, telling jokes. Well, that's not impossible. No, it's possible. It, it's not. It's we've all become a little grimmer, and I don't remember it the same as when I first no. went there. Well, I let's hope it gets back. I think it will get back if we have a change in administration. Whoever, now the Democrats have to put up someone. See, the old rules are we both know them. If you're a Republican, you have to be somewhat to the right. But not as far as Barry Goldwater, my first campaign on the bus. Wow, yeah. You're not going to win. If you're a Democrat, you have to be somewhat to the left. But not as far as some of the, well, AOC is not or constitutionally eligible. Yeah, to get people in the center, not just your party or your party, your base, their base, to vote for you. But the, I don't know. See, the problem with 2016 in my mind is I thought I knew the rules and I didn't know anything. I didn't know jack, you know what? I I know I felt the <laughs> same till the way. end. <laughs> I, I, and I just feel like we're so divisive now. It's hard to find mm. the center, but it's needed. Absolutely, uh, but and the Democrats have a big responsibility to put up someone who is electable, because if they put up someone who is normally not electable. That person won't be, and Donald J. J. Trump, Trump with his win. base and the people who say, hey, I like the economy, I'm making money. I know he's a vulgar, and I know I wouldn't yeah, have Yeah, but I'll kids, put up with it. But I'll put up with it, you know. Uh, he'll win. Well, that's, I, I say the Republicans hold their nose, and the Democrats eat their own. Well, they're scared. The, the old Republicans, such as they exist, and the old Republican Party's not there, uh, it may be reconstituted. I hope so. We need two vital parties that represent different interests in the country and contend back and forth, in my view. But on an honest playing field, I mean, you know, Lindsey Graham, I thought I could, we could go into that forever. Oh, hell, let's not, because yeah. I used to admire him when he was in the house. He, I liked yeah, him when he was, know, yeah. yeah. And he was always easy to talk to. Yeah. But I feel like some of them have sold their soul for well, he the clearly, judges. I mean, he for the first, Donald J. Trump to him, he there wasn't a bigger opponent within the Republican Party to a Donald Trump candidacy than Lindsey Graham, and even at the beginning of his presidency. Yeah. As he and the man he adored, John McCain, and followed, if John were still alive today, Lindsey would have to gulp at oh. what he's doing. Yeah. Well, listen, I, I, I appreciate, God, I, we could do this all day long. <laughs> we could. Yeah. <laughs> but I appreciate the time, Sam, and it's, oh, it's just a joy seeing you. And tell I'm going to make you sign the book, and I'll tell you some other anecdotes I remember of you, but we'll do that off camera. Okay. <laughs> but all the right. name of the show is Just Ask the Question. I thank you for being here today. We'll catch you next time.